morning. Welcome to the Australian Elite Finance Briefing for Thursday, the 29th of October. My name's Nick here in Melbourne, starting with RBA policy. And Professor Ian Harpo, RBA board member, spoke to the Australian newspaper late yesterday, and he reasserted the sort of view that there is lots the RBA can be doing. However, negative rates is not one of them. And that seems consistent with what a lot of other analysts and, and other RBA board members have sort of been saying. Certainly here in Australia, the prospect of doing negative rates doesn't seem to be likely. In Europe, it's obviously already happening. The US is looking at ways to have negative rates without sort of causing undue harm on banks, preventing people from putting money under their mattresses, etc., with sort of dual rate structure type arrangements, depending on who's doing the borrowing. He also mentioned that he sees that the sort of the the economy will grow stronger than expected. He doesn't see that there will be sort of the 9% unemployment, which some analysts have been predicting. He also mentioned that having all the restrictions lift, particularly here in Melbourne, that it sort of makes an opportune time for fiscal stimulus to be applied because those sort of artificial suppresses on the economy, i.e. the lockdown laws, are released. So it allows the economy to sort of grow and flourish. Professor Harper's views, along with those of Guy de Bell, the Deputy Governor who spoke earlier this week, seem consistent. They seem quite bullish in terms of the economy. They both see sort of stronger than expected growth, which is probably a good thing. Maybe not so good if we're expecting or hoping for lots of bond buying and the and monetary stimulus. However, based on what Harper was saying, it does seem that like they, they don't see a, a growing economy as a particularly, at this stage, a particularly good argument to not pursue further monetary easing. So it's looking like you know, next Tuesday will be quite a sort of big announcement day for the RBA. Moving to the US now, and yet another big hedge fund manager in the US, Bill Ackman, has come out saying that the wealth inequality problem in the US is going to cause a lot of issues going forward. We had Ray Dalio, the owner of Bridgewater, say something very similar recently, saying, you know, capitalism is not working if it's going to just um, sort of cause the concentration of wealth at the top echelons of society. So Bill Ackman's actually come out saying that he sees that Australian-style superannuation system could be one of these ways to help the wealth inequality system in the US. Dare I say it, he would be a beneficiary with a huge superannuation system with alternative asset allocation probably going to some of his strategies. However, he did say this, if capitalism continues to leave behind most Americans as the growth in wages has not come close to the more tax efficient compound growth that has been achieved by investing in the stock market, more and more Americans will seek changes potentially radical ones to the system or seek an alternative system. It's, it's a you know, political national system. He says, corporations could be required to set aside a fixed percent of salary or wages in a tax-free investment account for all workers that would also be restricted from withdrawal until retirement, similar to the approach used by the highly successful and popular Australia superannuation system. Certainly popular with a lot of people, not our current federal treasurer. He goes on to say, 
Since the superannuation system's launch in 1991, Australia now has $2.7 trillion worth of superannuation assets, nearly twice our GDP. Remarkably, Australia has created the fourth largest pension system in the world, even though we have the 53rd most populous nation. In addition to helping all Americans build wealth for retirement, mandatory equity savings accounts for all would encourage greater financial literacy and, as importantly, give all Americans an opportunity to participate in the success of capitalism. Certainly, it would give them an opportunity, dare I say, from Australian experience, you ask most sort of particularly low-wage low employees who all have superannuation, dare I say their interest in the stock market's probably not that great. So I don't know whether that, that point's particularly valid in the Australian context. Staying in the US now, and one of the big beneficiaries of the increased credit risks and in credit markets in the US earlier this year was Bill Ackman. He made over a billion dollars on credit default swaps. And what Bloomberg's reporting is that there's a real shift in the recovery rates that they're seeing in defaulted bonds in the US. So typically you'd get about 40 cents in the dollar back as an unsecured bondholder. That's now dropping to, you know, one to two percent in some instances. Bloomberg quotes that JCPenney where they got less than one cent in the dollar on one of their defaulted bonds. So CDS are typically priced around the 40 cents recovery, but the cause for this sort of shift in, in the recovery value is just the way companies are using bonds. And it's a symptom of the ultra low rates from the financial crisis in 08. So because rates are lower, for example, it's much cheaper to get secured loans, which obviously are higher lean than, than unsecured debt. So that means that there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of these loans are secured. So there was 6% of debt was secured in 2000, according to Barclays. By this year, it was 20%. So more of the debt is attached to another asset, which means the unsecured debt has less assets left to recover. So that's causing one of the issues. The other one is that these companies are, are, are able to, because rates are so low, bond investors are sort of willing to accept certain protections and even covenants that would otherwise be in the sort of indentures for these bonds to be waived. And that means that there's less and less yeah, recovery and less and less rights from the bondholders. So and, and a good example is that Typically, there'll be these sort of covenants that will mean that, you know, there's particularly financial ratios, those sorts of things will mean that the um, the company will actually be able to, the bondholders will be able to sort of come in and wind the company up quite early as soon as there's signs of severe financial stress. Now, with these covenants not there, covenant like bonds, those sorts of things, the company can keep sort of going down the gurgler for many months or years before anything happens, and by that time, there's nothing left for the bondholders at all. Moving to the markets now, and the US is expected to open down about 1.5%. That's in the back of a big sell-off in Europe, where the increasing prevalence of the virus, the second wave there, is leading to even more lockdowns. Here in Australia, we've got the business confidence reading from NAB coming out later this morning. 
That's your update for Thursday. Have a great day. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. The podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. The values of investments can go up or down, so you may get back less than you initially invest.